Okay, Boker Tov, we're just going to quickly review the Mishnah that we started last week. And uh, we're on Gormoy, Kotn Ches Omed Aleph. The Od Omer Rav Meir, and Rav Meir also said, Malaked Odom Atzomos Ovi Vimo, a person can gather up the bones of his father and mother and reinter them on Cholamoid. Mipnesha Simcha because it's a source of joy for him, that he's gratified that his parents are buried in their ancestral grounds. Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Ovel Hulo, it is a source of mourning for him, and therefore you cannot do it. Next point, Lo so a person should not inspire lamentations for his dead relative that died a long time ago, plus, and you should not eulogize someone who more recently died, but what time frame are we speaking? Kodum Laregel Shloshim Yom, 30 days before the holiday. In other words, 30 days before a holiday, you shouldn't eulogize people in general. And then, let's say, a person who died even way earlier and you want to re-arouse that memory of them should not be done 30 days before the holiday. Everything will be explained in the Gemara. Starting with the first point. First point seems to suggest Rabbi Mayer is saying that when a person reinters the bones of a relative, it brings a certain simcha to him, which seems a bit not logical. For Aminu, and now we'll contrast this with the following brisa that says, When a person gathers the bones of his father and mother to reinter them. And therefore, you are reburying the bones. So now it kicks in certain halachas of mourning, which is, He's required to mourn for them the entire day. Which means to say, just like at uh, when somebody dies, regular death, and there's a funeral, soon as the funeral's over, Avelos mourning begins. That's for seven days. Here, although the person's died a long time ago, and you sat shiva for them already, but now you're reinterring the bones, so it's like a one-day shiva from the from the time you reinter the bones until nightfall. It's this halachas of mourning. Ula aref, but by nightfall already, ain't misabel aleihem. You don't mourn for them. So uh, it seems pretty clear at this point that it's a sad occasion. It's not a simcha for the guy. Ve'amar Rav Chista, and Rav Chista explains, afilu tzrarin lo besadino, even if the bones are wrapped up in one's sheet. In other words, he does not <coughs> yet reinter the bones in a proper grave. He just took them out but didn't reinter them. He's still now in a state of mourning indefinitely, even if they're wrapped up and he doesn't see them. Either way, you see clearly it's halachas of mourning applies. So I can say it's a simcha for him. The Amar Abaye, so Abaye will have to answer. Amal, let's say like this. What Rav Meir means is, simchas haregel olav. Because the joy of the festival is upon him. Meaning to say, if he's so absorbed with the joy of the festival that the reinterment does not pain him. 
Now, obviously, it seems a little bit difficult to understand because you're still initially ish initiating a formal period of mourning during the festival. So Namukayos explains, Gmar is answering <coughs> that the obligation to be joyful on the festival exempts the person from mourning, since even the period of mourning for a newly deceased relative is pushed aside by a festival. Let's go with a regular case. Let's say a regular person dies on Cholomoy. What do you do? Do you sit Shiva on Cholomoy? No. No. <laughs> so you don't even begin any mourning because it's Cholomoy. Now the reinternment of the bones, which is really just one day, and it's not even biblical necessarily, so we push it aside as well. Remember, yes, if you reinter someone normally, it's one day of mourning. But we weren't talking about Cholomoy then. Here it's Karni Cholomoy. So therefore, he's answering this point of mourning is only when it doesn't happen at Cholomoy. But when you inter the bo- the bo- reinter the bones, there is no mourning. So that's what it means that because of the regel, you don't have any mourning. That's Nebuke Yosef's explanation. However, Rashi has a, di- has a different explanation. It seems that the Gemara understood that there'd be no keeping a day of mourning. So what did the Gemara mean to ask? That since the rabbi saw fit that normally it's a day of mourning upon reinterment, so it obviously is going to bring out sad emotions in the person. So it didn't be inappropriate for Cholomite. So the Gemara answers that the person is more preoccupied with the festival, will keep him away from any sadness that usually uh, accompanies a reinterment. In other words, since it's Cholomoid and it's like a Yomtev, he's not going to feel sad about it. Even though maybe on a regular time without Cholomoid, you sit one day of ills because that's the only thing on your mind. But when you are um, distracted from that, where it is, it's, it's Cholomoid. There's lots of happy things going on over here. So therefore, that will overcome any feelings of sadness. It's not apply. One second, Shelley. So now in the Mishnah, when Rashi explained the mayor saying that the reinterment itself is a cause of joy because you're gratified to have the parents buried in their plot, apparently meant to present the Gemara's initial understanding. Now we see it's a different shot. And words, the real shot is that he, the joy of the Yantav will certainly, uh, what do you call it, push back any feels of, feelings of anxiety. While the other opinion that disagrees, remember it's a machlokas, Rabbi Yossi says it's all well, he says no, that the Yontav will not overcome that, and that's their psychological machlokas. Yes? Are we talking in a case where you had no other option to do it before? Yes, probably. You should not designate this as the time yeah, to do you this. You could have done it before. So, so... Is this only in a case where they say they're going to build a parking lot or something or the cemetery, so you have to do it now? Probably. You have no choice. Probably. But then again, if you have if you have no choice, then uh, why would the other opinion why would there be a, disagree? You have no, you know, right? Know. He's saying... Uh, so I'm trying to figure out where you would be a situation where you have no choice. You get kicked out of the town. Being shut down. No, but uh, the, the, the point is, if there's no other option, nobody would say you couldn't reinterpret. Right, so there's no debate. 
Unless, yeah, exactly. So I don't understand why we're having this discussion. Or sometimes, even if uh, you could have done it before. Okay, that's a good. It's a good question, and really, I mean, if anybody would ask me about it, I'd say, "Well, why can't you wait till later?" Right. Would seem wait till later, and uh, uh, the the psak uh, um One second, we don't paskin like Reb Mayer, so uh, it could be Reb Mayer maybe felt even if you don't, uh, even if you could have done it at another time, you can do it. You know, but the problem with this halacha is there's a lot of tircha in reinterring, right? That if if that's what it's like. You you see when we bury somebody, how much a tircha it is to bury them. Now unbury them. You know how much sand there is there. There's a lot of sand, and going up is harder than going down, right? Taking the sand out is going to be harder. That's a lot of work. Unless we're talking about, as we'll see in another Mishnah, the catacombs, where it's just you laying the body in and laying it out. So there's a lot of uh, analysis that's further required. Okay, now we don't arouse the feelings of sadness to say lamentations 30 days beforehand. So Gamora wants to clarify, what does that mean? My loya arer al meso. What does it mean we don't inspire lamentations for a dead relative? Amarav Rav says, When the eulogist would travel around in the West in Eretz Yisrael, he'd give a certain calling card, so to speak, a, a aphorism. Amri, they would say the following about that guy. He's like a professional eulogist. Weep with him, all who are brokenhearted. In other words, people would make an announcement. You know, you have people who are depressed people. You know, you have whatever, let's say widows, and they're depressed, and no, you know, their husbands died, and they have no wife. Say, okay, you want to enjoy some good suffering? <laughs> the eulogizer's coming. So you can have someone to make a good cry with. So, so, so therefore, you can't hire a eulogist to call everybody thirty days before the holiday. That's what. That's the idea. So that's the next topic: thirty days before the holiday. So my Why is it specifically forbidden thirty days before the festival? Amarav Kahan, Amarav Amarav. So instead of the name of Rav. There was a story with a certain person. He gathered money to go to Yerushalayim for the festival pilgrimage. This was an expensive trip. He didn't live nearby. You had to, you know, buy things along the way, hot lodgings, etc. This was an expensive trip. You have to save up for during the year. So he's got the money saved up. It's, uh, and they have this in advance, and it's, let's say, a month before the regal. Uba Saptan, and came along a eulogist, and came to lament at the entrance of his house, the man's relative. Okay, and he did a really good job. He got them really crying and sad. Oi, oi, the rabbi did such a good job. Write him a big check. The wife took the funds and gave it to him. And now that he gave it away, and he was forced to refrain and not go. Therefore, 
That's why we don't want to use just 30 days beforehand. If it's more than 30 days, you have time to recoup and get some more money. But Osasha at that time became a rabbinic decree. Amru the rabbi said, Lo yaspiru. You shall not inspire lamentations or eulogize someone. Kodum l'rego shloshim yem. 30 days before when they're usually at that point setting aside money. Now, it's interesting. The, the prohibition is in force even nowadays when there's no temple. Six extra funds are needed for general festive expenses. You need a lot of money. Forget about going to Rishalayim. Go pay for, go pay for Pesach. Okay? You just figure out what it costs. Sukkahs. Okay, Shavuos, maybe not. Cheesecake's not that expensive. But uh, so that part with that. So that's Rav's answer. Shmuel's going to give another answer. Why not just incur, not incur any expense? Why not pay you? What? Why don't we have a prohibition against any major expense for 30 days? Like, don't, uh, I don't know. Go on a vacation. Go on a vacation. Whatever. Don't. Uh, well, per, people have, I'll tell you what, people have priorities, and they usually prioritize things in a set, stable mindset. When, when, uh, listen, what do the, what do the, uh, uh, what do you call it, funeral homes know? When you're emotional, people do stupid things, right? Yes, we have to have a police escort. It's without a police escort, it just is not going to be honorable. We have to have a casket that costs $50,000 because we deserve to die with honor and all these things. So when you eulogize someone, you're going to take advantage of people and people are not going to have the presence of mind to think about it. Well, to say just don't plan vacations that you, you, you're making a decision when you're reasonably minded. Well, this is to protect against Yes, but from people getting, that are vulnerable. I remember yeah. when Susan's mother passed by, I called you from Benjamin's. They were showing, I, the showroom. They were in the showroom. Yes. Showing me all the, and you said, no, 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 don't, don't listen to any of that stuff. Just get the basic, and if you want, get one more than the basic, and that's it. Yeah, that's and right. they're trying to push all sorts of things. That's why they hate me. They hate me in funeral homes. How about we talk about the eulogists here? We, today, nobody's hiring eulogists to do... No, no, that's the That's what we're talking so, about. So, back then, that was... That was okay, common. so that was, that was very case. common in those days. Right, so, so we're talking about the times of the Gemara. But we said now, even nowadays... So nowadays, if there would be a eulogist, it would apply. But there you also eulogize yourself if you want 30 days before. If you can't do a eulogy during Coleman, right? right? And but, 30 days. But can you, without hiring, just someone... So according to this job. opinion, you could. We have to see Shmuel gives another reason why you don't do the eulogy 30 days in advance. Okay. So according to Rob, yeah, if you're if you're just you doing the eulogy yourself, you're not spending any money on it. But then again... You know, there's an idea of low plug. This one didn't spend money. The other guy doesn't know how to eulogize, so he has to pay a eulogizer. You know, that's just the way life is. Sometimes you have to just cut the bar down. No no eulogies finished, because if even we allow him to make his own, well, I can't make such a good one, so I want to hire a guy. Schwartz did a good job. Why can't my relative get a good job? But I don't know how to do it, so I'll pay somebody. So therefore, they don't do it today. No, but it's the same thing. It's like I'm going to get the better caterer. I'm going to get the best caterer. It's like you want to honor. You want to honor yeah, your parents. About eulogy, not no, no, but, that, but, but that's, that's, that's the there's the another idea. Yeah. Okay. So again, the 
This is all rabbinic decrees. You have to remember, this is rabbinic, according to Rav, it's a rabbinic decree. So the rabbis would have to figure out what would be the appropriate measures to take nowadays, if any. Okay, and, you know, it's... Because who who's who has to spend... Okay, we don't spend money to go to Yerushalayim, but there's still expenses for... See, it seems that regular expenses the rabbis weren't worried about wouldn't cost that much. Go to Yerushalayim, that's a big expense. And to not go to Yerushalayim, that's an insult to Yerushalayim. So, question is, so nowadays, is is it so applicable? First of all, we don't have a base of English anymore. So now the question is, what about... So those expenses are out. So now you want to say the expense is preparing for Yantip. So, again, everyone would have to uh, decide on, on their own. But that's Rav. Shmuel gives altogether different reasons. We go up to the top of Ches Amit Beis. This is a much more, more ever um, uh, thing that happens with much more people. Because the dead person is not forgotten from the heart in 30 days. So if we eulogize him within 30 days, the memory is still fresh and uh, people might come to eulogize him even on on, um, on They'd say, oh, I heard you had a eulogy. I was out of town. How was the eulogy? Oh, he spoke so. Starts <laughs> breaking up right now. So it's it's still fresh over thirty days. According to Shmuel, the prohibition against Yulchayf is only the one who died more than thirty days before the festival. Because why are you bringing it up? If someone dies within three days of the festival, he may be eulogized then, since the grief of his death is still fresh in the heart, and a eulogy will not add to it. So this is where we, we see where we would hold like Shmuel more. Because after all, if you're going to say, so do we do eulogies 30 days before Yantif? Yes, we do 30 days before. Why? Because it's not going to matter. The death is fresh anyway. If it was more than 30 days, we don't hire a eulogizer. Why would we do a eulogy more than 30 days after it? Why? Yeah, you do a eulogy at the time, or maybe on the Shoshim, but why are you doing it on day 50? I have a good comment. Well, that's why we're saying don't do it. Don't do it. What for that? Because the eulogizer happens to be in town now. Okay. I have a question. It just seems strange that all of a sudden, two months later, you're doing a eulogy. You have to remember, Shelley, people lived in smaller towns. They didn't have so many talented people. They couldn't go online. And hire a guy. You, what, if the guy, the eulogizer, he was an itinerant eulogizer. So he goes around. So you think he doesn't want to make Parnassus thirty days before Yontif? He has to have Yontif, huh? So he walks. Like, yeah, I'm here. You had anybody die this year? You want me to give a good eulogy for sure? So that's why. That's why you could understand that. Yes. So what an event in today's terms is a rebellion. Way after the death. And it's 30, within 30 days of the, uh, of the holiday. How would the Gamora approach that one? And, and knowing my brother-in-law will be able to eulogy. And, and, and therefore, general... The eulogy will be there, but for free. It doesn't matter. Family, you know, does that matter? I don't know. So, um, that's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, set eulogies a month before uh, Pesach 
or a month before Shavuos, a month before. But uh, we see people do. We see people do. It could very well be because people's emotional states are much different. But anyway, let's see. There's the two opinions. Between Rav and Shmuel, what's going to be the difference? Interesting. My Benayu, the difference is, if the eulogist does it for free, according to Rav, this is permitted, <laughs> since the only concern is that one may spend his festival funds to pay for eulogists. But according to Shmuel, it's forbidden, since eulogy will cause the person's grief to extend at the festival. Shmuel agrees, however, that it's permitted for a mourner himself to eulogize his relative. Because releasing his emotions now will bring him relief in the time of the festival. This relief supersedes the restriction. Mention the previous note against eulogizing the dead during the spirit, lest people come to eulogize them on the festival itself. There seems to be another practical difference in Rav and Shmuel, whether one may hire someone to eulogize a relative who died within 30 days of the festival. According to Shmuel, this permitted because it already feels bad about it. According to Rav, it would not be allowed. Indeed, Rush and Barak implied the difference this, this is, is there. It's unclear why the Gemara did not bring this difference. And Rashi before explained the Mishnah accordance with Rav's views that the prohibition pertains to hiring a eulogist. According to Shmuel, the Mishnah means refer, forbid inspiring lamentation, eulogizing a deceased who passed away prior to the 30-day festival period. Okay, see Rush and Shulchan Aruch. You don't want to give it to me? I paid I paid for the year. I think it's Apple, isn't it? Okay. We don't have it. All right. Well, now it is not. Okay. Fine. All right. So therefore really uh, again, a lot of this obviously this is all rabbinic. This is all rabbinic. This it's not biblical over here. So the question is, you know, can you do it now? So so honestly, I don't know if people like hold their emotions like they used to. No way. Because remember, we live in a, live in a different world. Yeah, let, let's backtrack to the times of the Talmud. Were there newspapers? No. Was there TV? So what was there really, was there even printed books? Very rare. Okay, very rare. so what did you keep your mind busy with? Uh, what What do you distract you your did, mind with? Did, very did, little did, things. So the person you love died. That's huge. It's a daily thing. No, it's huge. Oh, so, okay, so after a year you forget about whatever, but now you hire a eulogist. Whoa, that's an impact. You know, you guys, you guys, you hear people talking all the time. Go to Torah anytime. You can hear a thousand speakers. You become almost numb to it. That's that's that was the real chiddush of the printing press, because it was a brand new thing. So it must be true, <laughs> you know. But uh, before that, it was people who were really good speakers. And how often do you think you really heard a good speaker? Not that, not that much. So Mamish, that guy comes, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> that you keep talking about it. You know, for example, you have, uh, there was this Lubavitch Chassid during the Cold War, Remendel Futterfass. Remendel Futterfass, I can only remember the name because it's such an odd name. <laughs> but the name was Friedman Schwartz, I wouldn't remember it. So uh, 
before he went into um, the dangerous period at the beard, he, he, he was with one of the earlier Chabad rabbis, and the Chabad rabbi said a certain Tvar Torah, which I can't remember, but he said that Tvar Torah kept me going for three years. Which means, because how often did you hear, hear a Rebbe give you words of Torah, and, and that's all that was on your mind. It's not that you saw what Google did today, another 50 million facts. That was the Rebbe said this. It made an indelible mark on your mind. And that kept him to hold on to his Yiddishkeit for all that time. That's why people go to Rebbe's. So the eulogist was no different. So in those days, a eulogist made a difference. Now, honestly, I don't want to discredit people, but the world is different. You go to a funeral, you hear a eulogy, and then you move on to the next thing. Okay, you feel bad for a little while, if you're even paying attention, because there's a lot of people are scrolling and putting on silent and they're just, you know, listening. Let's say you're those who are listening even. And maybe you shed a tear. Okay, but as soon as you get out and you got, okay, now I got to do carpool, I got to go back to work, I got this and that, you got a million things on your mind. And by the next day, you don't even remember if you were at the eulogy at all. So even relatives, you know, it, it, so therefore this whole thing nowadays, so now, and let's say they called the rabbi and said, listen, it's, uh, it's uh, let's say the end of August. Okay, and uh, that's within, let's say, that's 30 days within Sukkot. And say, Rabbi, I want to get my family for the unveiling, and it's the only time I can get the whole family together. So you're going to say, no, it's 30 days before the thing, we're not going to do the unveiling. So, so it, that's, it's just not going to work because, number one, they're not, the, the reasons don't really apply. The expense is not that great. Number one. Number two, it's uh, people usually won't even remember, even the Family probably won't remember the, the words that were said. And I'll say even more, those the eulogies today are not the rip-roaring eulogies that were the days of Talmud. The Talmud, it was a whole spiel. I don't mean spiel negatively. It was a spiel that you'd have criers, you'd have special people. This was a whole thing because really someone dies is really a very significant thing. Production. It's like a show, but it, but not a show yeah, to make I know, money. I know, I know, but it's a but show. But because somebody died, it's a serious thing, and, and we should be crying, and we go out of our way to make people cry. Now it's like you see you see on television people killing each other, murdering each other. We're we are sort of immune to death almost. So you got to understand to go and impl- Im- Im- uh, uh, put in halachas that are so restrictive nowadays. You know the rabbis would very. You know, certain things still, like I already told you, even if someone dies and the rabbi says, I can't eulogize, and he still eulogizes. Okay, so therefore you have to understand, but what would be appropriate is not to do it. So there's no money, and there's no mourning, and it knocks out. So that's why, basically, nowadays it's kind of ignored that halach of 30 days before. Okay, we'll do a new Mishnah tomorrow.